You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Listen, it's Tuesday. Good to have you with us. Listen, I want you to tag a friend, call somebody, let them know that we are on now Facebook. You can get us on YouTube and I want you to begin to transition over to Mike Moore Ministry. Listen, we're going to have a great time. I see Evelyn. Good to have you with us today. Victoria, Ponchi, Felicia, Obrey, Welcome to the How to Win. Hey, Marion, Monica, good to have you with us. Delicia, Teresa, good to have you with us. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have a great time in the Word today. I began a series some time ago entitled God Wants You to Be Rich. Good to have you with us, Karen, Angie. Good to have you with us. Listen, God wants you to be rich. Now, I know I could have chosen a less provocative uh, title, a less controversial title, but Jesus often just challenged religion. God wants you to be rich. This is lesson five, and in lesson one, we talked about God's will. We established from the word of God that God wants you to be rich. Also in that first lesson, we gave you the Bible definition. So don't be afraid of the word rich. Come on, say, I am rich. God wants me to be rich. Come on, say it. Renew your mind. Don't be afraid of that word. The Bible definition of the word rich is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. It says that God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that you always have an all sufficiency and all things may abound to every good work. Notice this is the Bible definition of the word rich in lesson one. We talked about God wants you to have an abundance to live and abundance to give. And Jesus paid for it on the cross. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor so that we through his poverty might be made rich. In lesson two, we talked about people whom God made rich and the issues and the challenges they had to overcome. And then in lesson three and four, we talked about the assassins of the rich life. Good to have you with us, Sharon Nita. Hey, Sharon Nita, Patricia. Hey, Coach, good to have you with us. Carolyn, good to have you. Bertie, good to have you with us, Pamela. Listen, God wants you to be rich and to live a rich life. Now, this is lesson five, and we're going to get into the purpose why does God want you and I to be rich? Purpose. The next two or three sessions, we're going to be dealing with purpose. You know, God is a God of purpose. 
I learned that years ago. If God says something to you, he has a purpose. If you find something in the word and God communicates and declares it, he has a purpose. God is a strategist. God thinks ahead. He thinks long term. So why is it that God wants us to be rich? Miles Monroe, the great, that great uh, pastor and teacher and, and great servant of God years ago said that where purpose, purposes are unknown, then abuse is inevitable. We're going to spend time, and I hope you have your Bibles, your iPad, your uh, whatever you use, whatever device you use. I'm going to take you to the Word because we're going to begin to talk about why God wants you to be rich. It's going to build your faith up to receive all God wants you to receive. Now, I have about three sessions on this on this purpose deal. So I want to I want to ease my way in and talk about purpose in an indirect way. Now, I want to look at what I'm calling the divine pattern. Years ago, many years ago, when God unveiled to me these revelations, he showed me in scripture a divine pattern. And this divine pattern gives us clues, give us clues to God's purpose, the divine pattern. It's important whenever God says something once, twice, or three times, and over and over, and you see a pattern that runs, then God is communicating something very important. The scripture also says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. So I want to begin to share with you a divine pattern that I saw many years ago. Now, I want you to make a mental note. I want you to jot down these scriptures. And if you're not in a position, go back and I want you to look up these scriptures because I want to establish you in the word. Now, watch this. Let's go to John chapter 13, John chapter 13, verse 29. I'm going to read it to you in the New King James Version. Now, Jesus here is at what we call the Last Supper. This is right before he goes to the cross. He's betrayed and goes to the cross. He looks over at Judas and he says to Judas, what you're going to do, do it quickly. Judas gets up and leaves the table. But no one, none of the other disciples knew exactly why Judas got up. So they came up with reasons based off habit, based off the custom in verse 29, it says, for some thought, because Judas got up, some thought, because Judas had the money box, New King James Version said money box, other uh, translation says treasury, for some thought, because Judas had the money box that Jesus had said to him, by those things we have need of for the feast, or he should give something to the poor. Now, in this 29th verse, John 13, 29, we see the purpose of the money box. 
Jesus had a treasurer. His name was Judas. They had a treasury or what the New King James Version calls a money box where they kept resources our revenue, they kept income, and we see from this text a twofold purpose for the money box. Notice when Judas got up, who was the treasurer, got up and left, the disciples all thought that he had gotten up for either one or two reasons. He had got up to buy the things that they, the disciples, needed for the feast, or he had gotten up to give something to the poor. So we know right away that there was a twofold purpose for that treasury, that money box, to take care of the disciples, Jesus and his disciples' personal needs and or to give to the poor. So on a regular basis, they were taking funds from the money box to take care of their personal needs, but they were also taking money from the money box to give to the poor. And we knew, know they were giving to the poor consistently for the disciples to immediately think that's why he got up. Because that was the custom. That was the tradition. Jesus was sending uh, uh, Judas out to give to the poor or to buy things that they need. Now, so we have a two-fold purpose of the money box. To buy the things that they personally need, that's us, or to give to the poor, that's them, us and them. Now, what I saw here initially that there was a divine pattern and we see the divine pattern begins here in John 13 verse 29 and if I ask you which concern because there were two concerns the things we have need of and given to the poor two concerns I've asked this over the years and I'm going to ask you which concern is mentioned first. I'll read the text again, and I want you to answer which concern is mentioned first. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, buy those things that we have need of, that's us, or that he should give something to the poor, that's them. So which concern is mentioned first. You got it. The answer, buy those things that we have need of is mentioned before giving to the poor. Now, I saw this as a pattern. It gave me and will give you a clue to God's purpose. Good to have you with us, Pastor Perry. Good to have you, Pastor Steve. Good to have you with us. Good to have you with us, Tracy. Now, we're talking about the purpose, why God wants you to be rich. And I'm establishing from the scripture a divine pattern. It is absolutely amazing. Now, watch this. Let's go to another witness. Let's go back to one of our key background verses, the Bible definition 
of the word rich. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight. I'm going to read it from the New King James Version, and then I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Now, the word abound means abundance. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that or so that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Now, the New King James Version uses the word abound and the word abundance means absolutely the same thing. If you read it in the traditional King James Version, it said it uses the word abound twice. God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that you having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. So whether you're reading it in the traditional King James or you're reading it in the New King James Version, we see, again, two concerns. Now, if I want to read that same text in the New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. It says, God will generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need and have plenty left over to share with others. Now, that is powerful. Now, notice the text, New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. It says, God will generously provide all you need, all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. So when you look at this text, whether it's the traditional King James, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, traditional King James, or whether it's the new King James or the New Living Translation, we see two concerns. We see God giving us grace for two things. Number one, abound toward you, abound toward us so that we have everything we need. Abound toward us, but we see a second concern, and that is grace for every good work. Now, there are two concerns in this text, I'm talking about a divine pattern. We looked at John 13, 29, which concern is mentioned for first. Now, I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read it again, and I'll read it again in the a New Living Translation. And I want you to tell me which concern. Is it us mentioned first and then others mentioned second? Let's see again. In the New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need. Now watch this. And have plenty left over to share with others. Now, which concerns? We got two concerns, us 
them, others. So which concern is mentioned first in that text? Again, you got it. Notice us is mentioned first. God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that you always have an all sufficiency in all things. God will provide everything you need so that you always have what you need. And then notice the second concern that's mentioned after the first concern that you are bound to every good work so that you will have plenty to share with others. So now in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. I want you to see in John 13, 29, and in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, notice our needs. God is mentioning our need first, and then he talks about us being able to share with others. Secondly, now, let's look at a third, uh, a third witness. I hope you're getting this because this will open you up and, and release you to believe God and trust God that he's going to take care of you. Now, in that same chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, I want you to see the divine pattern. I'm going to read it from the King James Version, and then I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. This is 2 Corinthians. I want you to make a note of this because I want you to look and meditate on this. Years ago, I meditated over and over and over until I got this down on the inside of me. I'm giving you the scriptures, quoting you the scriptures, because I want you to get the word down on the inside of you, and something miraculous is going to happen in your life. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. It says, he, this is the King James, traditional King James. Now, he that ministers seed to the soul, both ministereth, watch this, bread for your food, multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now, let's read it from the Amplified Bible. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10, it says, Amplified, and God who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in actions act in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Now, I want to I want to take a moment and share something because we got several pastors, many several pastors of you are listening to me. Years ago, we believed God to pay off a 3,000 seat dome sanctuary that cost 16 million dollars. And we, we, we paid it off debt-free. We didn't have a special fundraiser per se. We just took up the offering one time on Sundays. But I did give some instructions. I asked the congregation to tithe, each member to tithe, as they traditionally, historically did. And I asked them to give an offering once a month beyond the tithe. And I asked them, I said, now, we don't want you to give your utility money. We don't want you to give your house note money. We don't want you to do that. 
We want you to believe God for seed to sow. This is what we taught the members. And I'm sharing this with the pastors because you got projects, you got building projects, you got land projects, you got uh, facility projects, equipment projects. You're going to need a lot of resources. So I wanted to teach my members how to release their faith for money. And this was the verse that we stood on, 2 Corinthians 9, 10. Now notice it says that he ministereth or provide seed to the soil. That tells me that no Christian has a money problem. When it comes to giving to your church, giving to your pastor, giving to kingdom projects, no member of the church has a money problem. Every person can give because God says in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, he gives seed to the soil, seed to the soil. So that tells us and tell you, Christian, that you don't have a money problem. You may have a faith problem, you may have a vision problem, but you don't have a money problem. The Bible says that God provides seed to the soil. He provides seed to the soil. That tells me that in heavenly places, in God's storehouse in heaven, he has set aside money for every Christian to give. And all we have to do is believe God for the money that God has set aside. And that's what I taught the members and everybody, children, students, adults, we were believing for money to give based off 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. And I'm telling you, that money came in. We had never had $16 million come through our offerings like that. Everybody was believing. I said, when you get it, give it. Believe God, get it. I believe I received seed to sow, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. I bind you, Satan, over that seed, and we receive it. Now, angels, go bring us the seed. And I'm telling you, God provides seed to anybody who will believe. And I believe for money to give on a regular basis based off 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. I just want to throw that out at you. But now notice here. Not only does he provide seed to sow, but the Bible says he, he provides bread for eating, bread for eating, and he also provides resources for giving, resources for giving. Now, I'm going to read it again, and I'll read it in the traditional King James quote. So we got two things mentioned, and I'll, I'll make note of it. Now, he that ministers seed to the soil, we talked about that, both, now watch this, both mean the one as, the, as well as the other. Both will minister or provide bread for your food. Now listen at that. He provides bread for your food, bread for your food, bread for your food. And then it says, multiply your seed for sowing, multiply your seed for sowing. So we got two things there, bread for your food, Seed for sowing. So again, which concern is mentioned first? You got it. Bread for your food is mentioned before seed for sowing. So we see a divine pattern. We see it in John 13, 29. We see it in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. We see it in 2 Corinthians 9, 10. Let's look at one more witness and then I'm going to draw some conclusions. I hope you get in this. Now, we're talking about why God wants you to be rich. Now, look at 
1 Timothy 6, 17 through 18. This is our last witness. Then I'm going to draw some conclusions. 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. I believe you're getting this, Lori. I believe you're getting this, Valerie. I believe this blessing you, Evelyn. Now watch this. Watch this. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 18. I'm going to read it in the traditional King James, and then I'm going to read it in an Amplified Bible. It says, charge them that are rich in this world, rich in this world, not in heaven, rich in this world. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded. Don't be arrogant. Don't be conceited. Don't be proud nor trust in uncertain riches. So don't trust in the riches, but trust in the living God. Now watch this, who give us, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now, verse 18, this is 1 Timothy 6, 18 that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Now, I read it in the Amplified Bible. This is so good. I hope you're getting this. As for the rich, this is the Amplified Bible, 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18. As for the rich in this world, charge them that they not be proud and arrogant and contemptuous of others, not to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Verse 18, charge them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be liberal and generous of heart, ready to share with others. Now, I want you to get this. Please get this. Please get this. I, I've been teaching this for years. Sometimes we teach sacrifice and we say, yeah, you got to go without this and do that. I just don't believe the Bible teaches that. I believe God wants to abound toward us and then abound toward every good work. I don't believe there's sacrifice. Now, notice what he said in the text. He said, charge the rich in this world. So we wouldn't think it's heaven. Charge the rich in this world that they be not high-minded, but don't trust in the riches, but trust in the living God. Now watch this, verse 17, who giveth us richly, abundantly, lavishly, copiously, all things to enjoy. Now that's verse 17. Then verse 18, he said, charge them that they do good, do good with the rich, richness, do good with the money, do good with the wealth, and notice what he said to the rich, be rich in good works. And only rich people can be rich in good works. Be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Be ready. Be ready. If you don't have it, you can't be ready. Be ready to share with others. Now we got two concerns again, two concerns. The Bible says he gives us richly all things to enjoy. That's verse 17. Verse 18, take the riches and do good and be rich in good work. That's verse 18. Again, which concern is mentioned first? Talking about a divine pattern, us. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. 
And then he tells us to do good, be rich in good works. Now, I've established in four witnesses, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three, I establish in four witnesses, John 13, 29, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, 2 Corinthians 9, 10, 2 Corinthians 9, 10 again, First uh, Timothy 6, 17 through 18, I've established a divine pattern. We're talking about God's purpose for you being rich. And I wanted to take an indirect route and I wanted to show you a divine pattern. And then I want to draw some conclusions in closing. Now, listen at this. Listen to me carefully. As I conclude this, I want to draw some conclusions. I hope you get this, Joel. Listen, this is a blessing. This is this going to help you. And I want you to go back and look over it. I got some conclusions. Number one, here's the first conclusion. God's first priority is his children, not others. Now, I want you to think. God's first priority is his children, not others. Not the poor others, not the unsaved others. I know that's different than what you've heard, but according to the text that we read, according to the divine pattern, God's first priority is not people outside of his family. God's first priority is his children. We see another text over in Mark 7, 26 through 27, the Bible says that this woman came to Jesus. Her daughter was demonized. She wanted Jesus to deliver her daughter. The Bible tells us she was a Gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia. And listen at verse 7, Mark 7, verse 27. Jesus told her, first, I shall feed the children my own own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to dogs. Now, uh, traditional King James says, uh, it's not meat or fitting to take what belongs to the children and give it to outsiders. Let the children first be fed. That tells me that when God thinks about kingdom prosperity, he thinks first about his children. Now, you can, you can change it and put the kids down and say, you don't need this, you shouldn't have this, and God don't want you to have this, but that's not the Bible. The Bible tells us that God's first priority is his kids. Now, think naturally. Man, I have two adult children. When they were kids, man, my first priority was not the neighbor's kid, not the people. Now, I wanted the neighbor's kid to have food, but my first priority was my kids. And that's the way God's kid, that's the way God thinks. Now, number two, now that's God's priority is you, believer, you. You are God's first priority. Now, the believer, here's number two, the believer's first priority should be God's kingdom advancement and not themselves. Now, listen at that. The believer's first priority should be kingdom advancement and not themselves. Matthew 6, says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these 
things will be added up to you. Now, you see how number one and number two? Now, notice God's first priority is us, the children, you, the believer. Your first priority, believer, shouldn't be you. My first priority shouldn't be me. My first priority should be kingdom advancement. God's first priority is me. So I take care of kingdom. God take care of me. That's how it works. Number three, though, it takes money to advance the kingdom. I don't care who you are. You can talk down money. You can talk down. But sooner or later, you're going to need some money. Sooner or later, you're going to need some money. And you're being dishonest if you, you, if you say you don't need any money. Listen, you can pray all you want to, and I believe in prayer. I'm a praying man, but you're going to need some money. You got bills, you're going to need some money. Listen at this. It takes money to advance the kingdom. Number four, if believers don't have money, they can't give it. That's simple, isn't it? If you don't have money, you can't give it. And what happens? The kingdom suffers and the kingdom is hindered. If you don't have money, you can't give it. That's why I don't. Why I do understand. If your mind is not renewed, you say things that are illogical, biblically illogical, because it takes money to advance the kingdom. Number four, but if believers don't have it, they can't give it, and king the kingdom advancement suffers and is hindered. Now listen at this. Number five, the believers listen carefully. The believer's thorough, personal, financial adequacy is vital to the extension of God's work in the earth. I'm going to say that again. The believer's thorough, personal, financial adequacy is vital to the extension of God's work in the earth. Now, listen. We're not finished with this, but I want you to go back because I'm trying to renew your mind so that God can open up the floodgates to bless you, bless others through you, and thank God for all you pastors. I love you. Continue to do the good work that you're continue to feed God's people, continue to dream, continue to believe. And listen, listen, God renewed my mind to this word and it blessed my church. I passed a debt free church. I'm telling you, God will cause money. There's no money problem. There's a faith problem. There's a vision problem, but there's no money problem. Now, listen, I, I got to close, but we're going to pick this up in our next session. Listen, I have a podcast on Thursday, 7 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock Central, Facebook, YouTube, Mike Moore Ministries, you can get it, 7 p.m. in the evening. I decided I wanted to share some things that God has taught me because I'm transitioning out of being pastor here at Faith Chapel. My son is going to take over and just a three or four months just at the end of this year. And it's going to be amazing around here at Faith Chapel. So I decided I wanted to share some things that God had taught me. And one of the things God taught me, oh my goodness, 
please listen to it. He taught me in 1986 that he was a God of abundance. I'm going to start teaching that this Thursday. You don't want to miss that. Listen, you don't want to miss any of this. These kind of subjects go together, and I just trust you're going to be blessed. Listen, I'm so glad you spent this time with me. I believe that faith is coming to you and your life is being transformed. Your business, your ministry, your family, you're being transformed by God's word because the word is the answer. I look forward to seeing you next time. Mm-hmm.